Hello, campers. You're listening to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. This is a podcast where we tell each other true, scary stories. My name is Katie Wiggins. I'm Morgan Driscoll. And, um, it's finally spring here in New York. Let me tell you something. Okay. I was so angry yesterday. I come home from class. It was 94 degrees with 30 mile per hour wind. And it didn't cool it down. I was so angry. The dust was everywhere. There's dust in my teeth still. There's dust in my nose. My Everyone's getting sick. I've been sneezing like crazy. I'm very upset. And today it's high of 60-something, low of 30. Last week it froze. You <sighs> live in a wasteland. What can I say? That's horrible. I've literally never had to deal with dust being an issue in my life. Yeah, it's... I can't wait till you graduate and get the fuck out of that desert. Me too. I'm so ready. Okay. So today is a super fun episode. It's also Friday the 13th that we are recording this on. So that's very exciting. Uh, But I didn't realize that until this morning when I checked my phone. So I've prepared nothing special in that uh, way. Did you know that people get tattoos for Friday the 13th? Yeah, it's a thing. You go and get like a super cheap like flashy you choose from a flash sheet and you just get like a little nugget. I don't understand how that like started. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah, a ton of people, like every fucking person that you saw in San Marcos or that I saw oh, really? would have just sense. like a, like a little knife that just said like 13 or like a little bink, a little boop on like their knee or, the, <laughs> you know, every, but uh-huh. then all my friends always were covered in tattoos. So it was just like, why not just like fill in this little spot? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would be worried to do that because they, the tattooers see like hundreds of people that day. Like people are like lined up, and I don't yeah. want to see a tattooer that's been tattooing for like hours and hours on a bunch of different people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to go on like a trendy day. Fully alert. Yeah, I want them to be fresh minded and not like hating it. It'd be like. Yeah. Dealing with a retail worker on Black Friday. It's like, mm. you're not going to get me at my best on a Black Mm-mm. Friday. Mm-mm. Exactly. Yeah. So it is not specifically related to Friday the 13th in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we we pray that you, you stay with <laughs> us even, even though. <laughs> I know that's why you came here. <laughs> we'll just call this episode Friday the 13th Super Special Bash Magic. <laughs> extravaganza eleganza (laughs) okay so (laughs) where i'm taking you today is truly one of the most famous historic landmarks in america and maybe not on your forefront of your consciousness at all times but everybody has an awareness of this place. It's a cemetery located in Hollywood, California. Ooh! It is the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is extremely famous for having interned 
I was going to say housed, but that feels weird, for uh, interning uh, a ton of really famous people and a ton of people that have worked in and around the Hollywood film industry. I guess because there's, I bet there's a high level of security. Uh, I mean, a gate. Oh. So. (laughs) Uh. I remember the cemetery in where I went to college in Massachusetts just had a like a knee level wooden no a knee level like stone fence but then it had a bunch of like broken like sharp stones like on top and that was literally enough for like yeah most times I went out there late at night like I'm gonna do it I was like "Mm, I don't want to like straddle this (laughs) I don't want to do it so it's enough to like discourage the like already unmotivated but there was an entryway around the corner that was completely open so oh there you go (laughs) not however at the hollywood forever cemetery um it does have a gate (laughs) so um i got this information from a a fantastic uh, from many many sources but uh mostly from um Haunted History Hollywood, which is a fantastic documentary series of episodes. Haunted History. Ugh. Why, why, I used to watch them on Sundays when I was a kid, and they were so fun and so dark, and the guy's narration voice is, it was so perfect. Not even the least bit like Skeletor, so oh. I just was felt so good. the opposite of perfect. <laughs> okay. So the woman on the show is describing, she's like the head of affairs at Hollywood Forever. And she said, there's 80,000 people interned here, but there's room for more. And I was like, is that a fucking threat? (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, how big is it? Because that's a lot of people. It is. Uh... It's I not uh, large. I I don't know. Uh, it's uh, are they double average... are they double parked? Are they double parked? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, Looks like your average cemetery. Although there are a few like really crazy impressive mausoleums. Um, uh, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Among the famous people interned there is Gone with the Winds, Hattie McDaniel, the um, the like nurse character on gone with the wind the black woman that was uh originally not allowed to go to the academy awards but then she did and it was inspiring and amazing uh the gangster bugsy siegel um cecil b demille very very famous in old hollywood and a woman you may not have heard of but had a huge impact on hollywood and one man in particular this woman buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery is named Virginia Rapp. Other people say Rappé. There's no accent. There's no reason for me to say Rappé. She wasn't oh. Italian. There was no reason for me to say it that way. So, no. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to tell you her story, which also starts with another person's story. So just hold on, guys. All right. Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle was a giant. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle? Fatty was the nickname he was given, um, which I'll explain. I know it's really not great. I will 
henceforth be referring to him as Roscoe or Arbuckle, was a giant in the silent film comedy scene in the 1920s. I thought you were going to say he was an actual giant. Well, he is very large, but just hold that thought. He was the highest paid comedian in Hollywood at the time. He was a member of the Keystone Cops, which is a very famous, if you haven't seen their videos, their 1920s silent film, hilarious bunch of like stupid cops that do all this super crazy physical comedy falling over constantly rolling they're always rolling and it's so great (laughs) and it's so funny i watched a bunch of this last night so he was a member and he was also a lifelong friend and co-star of buster keaton who most people only know charlie chaplin in terms of like the silent movie comedian physical comedians but buster keaton was really unbelievably talented Just look up a YouTube of best of Buster Keaton, and he is, uh, he's just hilarious. Physically, he's he's basically like an acrobat. They're all fucking like circus people, and they can do these incredible things. And it's so funny, and they're all so expressive. And we were watching this video called The Cook, which was... Roscoe Arbuckle and Buster Keaton together, and Buster Keaton was playing the waiter, and Arbuckle was playing the cook. And at one point, they were in a restaurant, and there was some entertainment happening. There was a woman dancing in the center, and then Buster Keaton just like, like um, straight face, like just starts joining her. And I swear <laughs> to God, he's voguing. So. I know that like everyone's mad at like Madonna for like stealing voguing. But like it may have even predated the He might the have ball originated it, yeah. Because I swear to God, look at this video and <gasps> I swear he's like on his he's like scrunched up on his knees and like doing his hands like this. I was like, what the fuck? Buster Keaton invented voguing. So probably not true, but just think about that. Oh shit. So setting the scene for Roscoe R. Buckle. What a great so, scene you set too. I'm <laughs> I'm hooked. <laughs> so he's this he's very fat man. He's very large. I think he was like 260 something pounds. And um he was famous for this. And it got him onto a lot of into a lot of roles because they were like, "Oh, but let's have a fat one." So like not great thinking behind basically the reason why he's famous but the the reason why he's endured and why he was so successful is because he's astonishingly agile he was so like physically aware he could do these incredible stunts and they didn't have stunt doubles like this was who they were they were doing all of it and he had an extremely expressive face and everyone just loved him he was at the top of his game top of his career and he was making so much money. He was like a millionaire in a time <gasps> when people were making fucking peanuts. So, wow. sets the scene there. Lights up on Labor Day weekend, 1921. Having just wrapped three friends, three films. No, he did not wrap <laughs> any of his friends. Damn. Three films. His friend, Fred Fishback wanted to celebrate with Arbuckle at the San Fra- Saint Saint Francis Hotel in San Francisco. 
Arbuckle had just sustained some second-degree burns after he was visiting a mechanic and sat on a seat that had a rag on it that had been dipped in acid. And it ate through his pants. And I think just burned his ass. Wow. I know. If he wasn't a rich man, he could have sued and become a moderately wealthy man. I don't think so, because I don't know if there were any regulations against that. Mm, That's true. It was the 20s. I'm not sure if anyone cared about workplace safety. No. Wow. Definitely not. Oh my god, definitely not. Especially in Hollywood. There'd be, like, fucking an extra dead every other scene, and they just, like, moved forward. I swear, like, there were a lot of dead extras that, like someone should probably talk about not us <laughs> so um Poor guy. he was like oh, i'm not really in the mood to party my ass is burned <laughs> i don't know if like that's like uh, but apparently fred was like i got you a rubber thing to sit on yep. you're coming up to san fran we're gonna have some fucking fun they planned a three day long party which i don't even understand how the logistics on that would work oh my God. but they had like rented out a whole like a bunch of suites all this shit. They were like, they were going to do it up. So Arbuckle's like, fucking fine. I'll go. I'll go. So he drives up from LA to San Francisco. They're having a good time. And it, it comes to be the third day of the party on Monday. Jesus. On the last day of the party, a woman named Maud Delmont and a woman named Virginia Rapp come through. Maud had a reputation in LA which I feel like is really saying something, mm. as being a madam and a blackmailer. Ooh. Not the best of combinations. Mm. Rap was a 25-year-old starlet. She had had a couple like bit parts, I think, and was pretty much known as a party girl. She was down wherever the party was at. So here's what happened next, according to Maud. After Arbuckle and Rap had had a few drinks together... He pulled her into an adjoining room, saying, I've waited for you for five years, and now I've got you. After a half hour or so, Delmont heard Rap screaming, so she knocked on and then kicked at the locked door. After a delay, Arbuckle came to the door in his pajamas, wearing Rap's hat, cocked at an angle, and smiling his foolish screen smile. Behind him, Rap was sprawled on the bed, moaning. Arbuckle did it, the actress said according to Delmont. Rapp was taken to another room. A doctor was summoned, and he attended to her. She stayed at the hotel for a few days before she was taken to a hospital, where she died on September 9th of a ruptured bladder. I got this from the Smithsonian Magazine. The author was Gilbert King. Now here is what actually happened. After having a few drinks with Virginia Rapp, The actress became hysterical, Arbuckle said. She complained she could not breathe and started to tear off her clothes. At no time, Arbuckle insisted, was he alone with her, and he said he had witnesses to corroborate the point. He found Rapp in his bathroom, vomiting, and he and several other guests tried to revive her from what they believed was intoxication. Eventually, they got her a room of her own where she could recover, the medical examiner confirmed that there was no physical evidence of rape and friends of Rapp's said that she had had similar stomach pains in the past. Maud Delmont, however, had a history of bringing young women to parties and accusing men of raping them to blackmail them for money to keep her quiet. 
what a fucking way to be number one i'm always astonished when people choose evil like if okay i'm fine with you blackmailing but you're gonna take away from legitimate cases that needed to be tended to that is so funny because that's exactly what i was thinking ian was like oh this is such an incel wet dream like oh women are just out to blackmail you for rape and steal all your money and i was like but the thing is like if she wanted to blackmail someone she probably could have just looked in another room like this is the 20s. Like, yeah, are you fucking kidding like, me? He has a dinky winky and he wears diapers. Like, you could have just said something ridiculous. And that would have been probably well, more interesting. It, it may have improved his career. He was a funny man. People would have loved it. <laughs> uh, her story changed constantly. Which, if you've been watching Cold Justice like I have, is a sign of a liar. Um, her criminal record was long and ridiculously damning. Oh, God. But the damage was done. Although Arbuckle would eventually be acquitted, his career was over. (gasps) Papers had printed Maud's story before they had fact-checked anything with witnesses or Arbuckle himself, and he was never able to return to his former prominence. This is what the jury said uh, when they announced that he was not guilty. Acquittal is not enough for Roscoe Arbuckle. We feel that a great injustice has been done to him. There was not the slightest proof adduced to connect him in any way with the commission of a crime. He was manly throughout the case and told a straightforward story, which we all believe. We wish him success and hope that the American people will take the judgment of 14 men and women that Roscoe Arbuckle is entirely innocent and free from all blame. Aww, poor guy. So, his career is fucking done. In front of the camera. However, he did do some work behind the camera, directing and producing films for friends who remained loyal to him. Oh, that's nice. But he eventually did die at the age of 46 in 1933, about 10 years later, of a heart attack. He was buried in Manhattan... Well, Virginia Rapp is buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. (laughs) People have claimed to have seen by her gravesite a floating whitish figure. Sometimes they've seen a full woman standing by her grave. Sometimes that figure is sobbing. Other times they don't see anything. But when they walk around the area, they hear sobbing. And there's no one to be found. <laughs> and there would be plenty of reason for her to be sobbing. Yeah. She died a short, horrible, horrible death. And her death was life. enough to ruin someone else's career. And she had no say in it whatsoever. Oh, that's true. She did die right away. Ugh. Yeah. She didn't know. She was just like fucking hanging out. 25, loving it, living it. In Hollywood, in San Francisco living her dreams she's do we done. know where her friend was buried her friend Maud. Mm-hmm. oh no i hope she was burned at the stake i don't know me too that's like the one person that i'm like all right get her up there <laughs> we'll see what's up i don't know i mean but like really though like 
it always just astonishes me when people are just like, oh, I'm just going to be evil. Like, I'll just be evil. Like, what? That's super evil. Like, why? Like, wh- of why? all the things to be, like, evil? Like, wh- like, what a way to be. I just can't imagine. Yeah, it's... It's not even for the sake... I'm just so angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. This story makes you angry. Definitely. It, at least he didn't do it. Uh, that was sad. That was... Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm fine now. <laughs> oh, no, it's awful. I mean, the story is awful. Every I just hate hearing about it. It makes me mad. But, uh, I want to know if Maude is, like, it. hasn't passed on. Because she feels guilt about what she's done. Oh, she sounds like just... a fucking psychopath. She sounds yeah. like someone that I think they intercepted like a telegram that said like, let's see if we can get some money off him. Like got Arbuckle. Like, let's see. And she's just like, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, she's messed get up. a fucking job. Become a seamstress. Yeah. Hang Use out. Your, like your talents for good, not evil. Obviously, you're talented. Obviously, you're yeah. ambitious. Why don't we point that not straight to hell? She could be, uh, well, the 20s. What could she be? She could be a good producer or a manager, maybe. Maybe. Kind of blackmail people into giving other people gigs <laughs> in, like, minor ways. The first publicist. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. I don't want her to have any success, though. No, nah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next, I would cover another person buried in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and some spooky stuff that's associated with him. Rudolph Valentino, the great lover, the Latin lover, the man who turned a thousand 1920s drop-waisted dresses a quiver with... Bloomers. Sex. Sex. My brain was going in too many directions at once, and then I forgot that I was talking, so I had to just wrap it up. So, um, Rudolph Valentino, hot man, very hot. Mm. Mm. We were watching um, The Chic last night, which is insane. It is a terrible, insane movie, but um, very fun. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. Oh, he is handsome. Yes. Oh, look at those eyebrows. They're gorgeous. I know. He's got a real strong, beautiful visage. Ooh, someone posted a picture of the guy from American Horror Story. Who um, plays him? Mm. Yeah. I haven't seen I Don't Watch American Horror Story, but, um, it's, but yes. It's a, good, it's a good comparison. Yeah. He's um, very hot. His name is Rudolph Valentino. He was a... If you are unfamiliar, he was a silent film star in the early 1920s. He was known as the great lover and as the Latin lover. He was, however, Italian. Um, <laughs> oh dear God! He was a he was an Italian immigrant. came to Italy came to America when he was like 18. Um, and he made his way dancing, even though he'd never had a lesson, but he was a gifted dancer. And if you'd like evidence, just check out Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, where he plays a very dashing and aggressive uh, cowboy type person who then, like, 
has this like, or could it be a matador? I don't fucking know. And he like does this fantastic dance with this woman and this like, uh, I think he's like credited for bringing like the fucking like Argentinian tango to America. Some shit. It's like what he he's great. Good 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 he's good. Um he was also known for the films Blood and Sand, The Sheik, and Blood on the Rocks. Oh, so a lot of blood talk. Aggressive. <laughs> um He was also probably gay, which is so funny because all the documentaries that I watch, like, never ever touch on that fact, but they will say things like he married the woman, but she turned out to be a lesbian, which shocked and destroyed him. And I was like, oh, yeah, I bet that or... just shocked and destroyed him. I bet they had no idea. And then he was like, but they stayed married because he thought that it might be a good idea to keep, like, publicity out, like, something to, to like, keep drama low. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, sounds like... Sounds, sounds like it like, was a beard. Sounds like a beard. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Beard. Um, so love that. And also yeah. so fun that he was like gay and handsome and beautiful. And then he had like literally all of the women in America were just like wanting to be stolen by the Sheik. The movie The Sheik is basically an extended 1920s porno. Because it's like this white woman's like, I don't want to get married because marriage will change who I am. <laughs> and then uh, and then they're like, I don't know, like Saudi Arabia or something. And then he plays like the sheik, even though, like I said, he's just Italian. And he's <laughs> not even that ethnically intensely looking Italian. Like you see a picture of my fucking great grandfather's picture on his passport. To, whew, he looks like a train villain. Um, this guy has basically the same coloring as me, and oh, yet wow. he is considered at the time the a great lover. exotic beauty. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I felt in Ireland, so maybe America was just whiter then. Um, mm -hmm. and apparently husbands hated this motherfucker. They accredited him with the effeminization of the American male. They were, like, super good. threatened by him. I was like, good. good. Yes. Good. Start it, Rudolph. <laughs> and, uh, and I love that a gay man's doing it. Yes. Love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and he, uh, yeah, apparently this one woman said, like, Men were okay if their wives were obsessed with Clark Gable because they felt he's the man from Gone with the Wind because they felt like that, like, they were, like, on par with Clark Gable, which is oh. hilarious and false. Those fucking, like, river hicks in the 1920s. Can you even imagine? Ugh. Um, oh, God. But that. they, to them, Rudolph Valentino was, like, this, like, dark, swarthy, like... Yeah, sensual a, man who's not anything like them so they just hated him handsome. i love it exactly so they fucking hated him women just couldn't oh my god they loved him so in the year of 1920 he purchased a silver like right. banded tiger's eye ring so if you needed any other fucking evidence that he was gay, he got this gigantic <laughs> ring. Love it. So he was told by the seller that it was cursed, but he was like, no, nah, I'll buy it anyway, you weirdo. 
Do you remember in The Simpsons, whatever, he wanted, like, the Krusty doll, and the guy was like, but I will tell you, it is cursed. And he's like, okay, well, I'll take it. And he's like, but it comes with a free Froget. The Froget is also cursed. (laughs) But it comes in strawberry. The strawberry contains high amounts of sulfuric acid. And then he's like, Homer doesn't know what that means. And he's like, that's bad. He's like, all right, (laughs) shut up. I'll take it. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. So he buys the ring, loves it. He shows it to his friend, Shawl Mink. And Mink looks at it and has a vision of Valentino, pale and dead, laid out before his eyes. And he's like, Valentino, get rid of that ring. But he didn't. So, 1926, August 16th, Valentino was on tour to to promote his next film, The Son of the Sheik, when he fainted on stage. (gasps) They discovered that he had a pulverated ulcer and had to be taken into emergency surgery. Due to complications from surgery, possibly from an infection, he worsened and slipped into a coma. August 23rd, 1926, he was dead. (gasps) His death caused mass hysteria. Over 100,000 people showed up to his funeral. (gasps) And several women even killed themselves. Little did they know, they had no chance with him anyhow. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, it was a huge deal. Basically, Hollywood was fresh and new. Um... At this point, the film star itself was still like such a new, it was such a novelty in a way that we can't even imagine. And he was basically the first male heartthrob that everyone was like, oh, fuck yes, Valentino. Like, this guy is hot. He's got it. I love him. Uh, And in The Sheik, his whole role is to like steal this woman and then like take her to be his wife and... He does all these like really incredible close-ups where his eyes are really intense. And mm-hmm. honestly, seeing through the 1920s acting, which is basically just like pantomime, um, he really did have some pretty incredible expressions and he really did seem to be feeling something. And it, it's incredible to watch. He's a, he's a good actor. Um, it really is a shame that he was that he died young. But um, people were upset. Right. To say the least. And he was the first of this, like, young crop of Hollywood actors to die. It'd be like, hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, an industry that just began uh, that um, we've never had any, like, tragedy in. I don't know. But, like, it was just stunning. So, the ring goes to Paula Negri, which was his, I think, ex-wife. She inherited the ring and fell ill. She did manage to recover. Oh, God. (laughs) But at that time, talkies, or non-silent films, what they were starting to develop speaking in film, uh, were becoming more popular, and apparently she didn't make the transition well. A lot of actual silent film actors just, like, couldn't bridge that gap, and they were just, like out of there so she lost her career basically she was done so she passed the ring on to actor russ colombo who she believed resembled valentino uh in honesty they were both just italian looking 
Oh, God. Not long after, he was in a freak accident while his friend was showing him his pistol. He was shot and killed. So Russ's cousin then pass, uh, inherits his estate or something and then passes the ring on to Russ's best friend, Joe Casino. These names are fucking hilarious. I was just going to say, I'm obsessed with all of these names. Yeah. Arbuckle Casino Valentino? Yes. Pola Negri? Her name is P-O-L-A-N-E-G-R-I. That's like only a name you encounter in the 1920s. It Someone sounds whose like a, last name is Mink. Is it anagram where you like mix it up and it says something? Yeah. her Or it's, probably her real name was like Annabeth Shalulaberg. But like <laughs> they they just changed it to make themselves seem more interesting. Mm-hmm. So Joe Casino's got it. Oh, He's God. starting to put the pieces together and it's like, I don't yeah. think I'm going to wear this. So he doesn't wear the ring for many years because of the reputation it had begun to have. Good. One day, however, he inexplicably changed his mind. Ah, oh, my precious. And within a week, he was killed in a hit-and-run accident. <gasps> he left his b- ring to his brother, Del Casino, which was then stolen by a man named James Willis. But before Willis could even make it out of the house, he was shot dead by police. <gasps> Someone named Jack Den had the ring for a two-week period in which he was diagnosed with and died from a rare blood disease. Oh, my God. I love curses because you just get to go down and just be like, and then, boom. And then, boom. So the ring was put into a bank vault because nobody can be trusted to fucking wear this shit. Or it was the 1920s and everyone just died. A year later... It was robbed by a gang. Two of the gang members were killed and the head of the gang was sentenced to prison. He said in the courtroom, if I had known what was in the vault, I would have picked another vault. Mm. You go, girl. Whereabouts are now unknown since the 1960s. Rudolph, the person, the entity... Not the red-nosed. Not the red-nosed reindeer. Has been seen his spirit all over fucking Hollywood. He's been seen in his old home in Paramount Studios at the Knickerbocker Hotel at the and at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. He's got this massive fucking mausoleum. This beautiful brass nameplate for him. And people okay. leave shit for him because people still love him. But after he died, so that's the end on the the ring story. Just a little button, little tidbit for you. After he died, a mysterious lady in black would come every day to his crypt with fresh flowers, shooing people away who she did not believe to be devout followers of Valentino and cleaning the brass and just making sure the whole area was perfect. She did this day after day after day for years. Oh, my God. 75 years later. Oh, wow. That really puts a timestamp on the documentary I watched. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More than 75 years later, I would imagine. uh, People still see the lady in black in his crypt. (gasps) 
People have also claimed to have heard his voice in the crypt. This one woman said that she heard him say, I want your pretty green eyes, which if you needed any more fucking evidence that he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. And she was like, I was scared because I didn't know if he like wanted them. And I'm like, she's not, <laughs> he's not going to fucking gouge your eyes out, idiot. He just thinks your eyes are pretty. Ugh. Well, he's also, he's a ghost. What is he going to do? Hold him? <laughs> Come on. Where's he going to put him? Where's he going to put him? Yeah. What is he going to do with him? <laughs> now, Hollywood, haunted Hollywood, is a, is a very popular topic. And there's a million other, like, little teensy, like, bitsy stories. Like, Valentino is seen, like, in the corner of a coffee house in the Knickerbocker, or the Roosevelt Hotel, and... Marilyn Monroe's reflection is seen in a mirror in the Roosevelt and and the Knickerbocker. There's just, there's so much, so many people seem to think that famous people in Hollywood are just kind of roaming around, which I think has total credence. But I also think that if anyone were to see just a blonde haired woman, they would assume that it was Marilyn Monroe. Or if they were to see a tall, dark, handsome man, they would assume it was Valentino. But... You have to remember, there were a million billion starlets and wannabe starlets that tried to do their look exactly like the stars that were popular at the time. So you really don't know who you're dealing with or what. But I will say. If they like died and were like, I'm going to look like them, then maybe, (laughs) just maybe, I'll I'll feel complete. (laughs) Sad. Very sad. Yeah. There's something really heartbreaking about Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. And and I haven't even scratched the surface, really, on the, like, stories of s- the sordid tales of Hollywood. I heard this celebrity ghost stories once where this woman grew up in a house in L.A. And I can't find this episode, and I really want to, because I want to know, I want to watch it again. But she grew up in a house where, like, a famous, I think, like, crooner, like a singer used to live like really famous in like the 1950s or 40s and that apparently her room used to have like a glass like a two-way mirror ceiling so that like he would like make bets with his friends like if he could like bang a woman and then they'd like wait upstairs and look down and then like watch as he did it And she said that she grew up in that room and that she felt, like, super, super uncomfortable. And she would, like, hear, like, huge parties going on and go down and there was nothing. Like, all this stuff. And so it's just, like, that kind of shit, like, happened in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of shit. Like, there's a lot of craziness. Like, when people get everything they've ever asked for, a lot of them don't act well. (laughs) That's... I'm so upset. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I could, because what's interesting is that all these stories from haunted Hollywood, like all these documentaries, I feel like they don't even come close to what's actually, like, what are actually the most upsetting stories and, like, what are actually the most interesting tales. Yeah. Also, a lot of people have killed themselves in Hollywood. Oh, my God. So many people have killed themselves in Hollywood because they don't make it, because they don't. They don't do what they yeah. set out to do. They don't do... They bought a one-way ticket from Iowa and and they're fucked. And, and one woman even jumped off the H of the Hollywood sign. Peggy Entwistle. 
And the next day, she, like, got sent, like, an offer to be in a movie. <gasps> Ugh. Ugh. And the uh. role was of a woman who was depressed and contemplating suicide. How do you like that? She would have been able to method act. God, I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh. That's Hollywood. This one but, woman, I can't even remember. I think this was at the Roosevelt Hotel. She was like in the ballroom, like getting ready for something. And then she like turned around and saw like a very dapper dressed man in like a tuxedo standing in the middle of the room. And she just was like, oh, my God, you scared me. And he said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. And then just like disappeared. <gasps> oh, my God. Like that wouldn't also scare her. He doesn't know, man. That's true. He was just like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare I'll you. I'll leave you to it. I'm waiting for the ceremony to start. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And that was where the first Oscars, uh, the first Academy Awards took place was in the ballroom of the Roosevelt. I believe I could be totally wrong, but I think that's where it was. And uh, the ceremony only lasted 10 minutes. They only gave wow. out a couple awards. But that's where it all started. Oh, my God. L.A. is extremely haunted. That's what I got to say. And I wish that I could know the real stories beneath it all. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of cover-ups, a lot of a lot of lying, especially in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And with, like, the water scandals, like, if you want to know about Scandal in Hollywood, and you also want to know about a fantastic film that you should have already seen... Watch Chinatown with Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway, John Huston. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. Roman Polanski is a piece of trash, and he's literally a current fugitive of the United States legal system. But great film. I'll <laughs> <laughs> have to watch it. Yeah, really. Oh, it's astonishing. It's so good. Oh, my God. I love Chinatown. Oh, yes. Mm. But yeah, L.A. probably should have never existed. There's no reason for a city to exist where there's no water. Yeah. It's so... The traffic sounds really stressful. Honestly, growing up in Houston, it's like... Traffic who? Like, yeah. I am the traffic. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what it's like to not have traffic. So, like, what do you even mean? Mm -hmm. Although I have heard of, like, the recent, like forest fires and just like driving into work just like being surrounded Ugh. by flames really uh makes you think about the city of angels concept you're driving in just surrounded by fucking oh. flaming <laughs> foliage oh my god um, on my drive i left lubbock at four in the morning to drive to austin god. one weekend and it was just starting to turn bright after many hours into my drive and I was at a point where it was very, like, up-down-hill, mm -hmm. and it was very, like, open. There was no one there. There was a lot of grass, a lot of trees, and, like, fenced-in, like, farm areas. And I'd come at the top of a hill, and at the bottom, I just saw, like, a very specific, like, area of standing fog. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a certain height, certain width, and I just, like, drove into it, and I kept doing that over and over again, and it was so aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> it was so ooky-spooky, because there's nothing like that here. And then... Once I got a bit closer, there would just be areas of, like, piles of chopped down trees, and they were on fire for, like, a long time, just unattended. I don't think that's legal. 
It didn't look no. like a forest fire. It looked like someone had, like, trimmed all their trees, put them into, like, piles. They were, like, separate piles, and they were burning. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to do that. No. No. But yeah, aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you want to learn more about old Hollywood, haunted history is pretty fun. Uh, but that'll pretty much rehash what I've just told you. Uh, but there's a ton of books. Several movies. Watch the movie The Artist if you want, like, a recent take on 1920 silent films. Watch actual 1920 silent films. Watch Buster Keaton and Fatty Arbuckle and um, all these incredible... And Valentino mm. is so talented and um, just Find ignore... His ring. Ignore the fucking... Oh, God. In in the movie The Sheik, when it was talking about the Arabs, it was like, watch them in their ignorance, in their happy ignorance as civilization passed them by. Oh, and I was God. like, what, girl? Like, what? This is so funny. Oh, and fucked God. up. It was fucked up. Allow me to clarify. Yeah. Fucked up. It's the uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that's the past. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. I'm into it. It's pretty fucked up. Anyway, and uh, and maybe one day I'll do like the Roosevelt Hotel or the the Knickerbocker and and we'll find some more fun stuff. I love it. I love it. Hooray! If you want to find us, you can on Instagram and Facebook at Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. You can also send us your scary stories if you have a ghost story at letters to camp at gmail.com. You can do it. Yeah, leave us a, give us a subscription and leave us a review and a rating would be amazing. And we have merch on Redbubble. Yes, merch on Redbubble. You can go to redbubble.com. And I think that's it, yeah? Yeah. Yay. Um, thank you for listening. Yeah, and have a spooky night. Filled with restless dreams. Of haunted Hollywood things. Ah. Uh. Eh. <laughs> <laughs>